the sweeter he grows. How true that is. Be turning in your Bible to Hebrews 11. The 11th chapter of the book of Hebrews. Last Sunday, I spoke to you on Abel's worship of faith. His worship of faith, and we used verse number 4 at that time. Today I want to speak to you on Enoch's walk of faith as is presented in verse number 5. By faith, Enoch was translated that he should not see death and was not found because God had translated him. For before his translation, he had this testimony that he pleased God. Last week, we began a series of studies on the subject of faith. We live in a day and we live in a time when the faith of God's people is going to be tested and it's going to be tried perhaps more severely than it ever has been before. And God's people need to walk by faith and they need to trust the Lord And so faith is very important in our Christian growth. The walk of faith as presented by Mr. Enoch. We distinguished last Sunday that walking by sight and walking by faith are two different things. Either you're going to walk by faith or you're going to walk by sight. Walking by sight is a walk that's regulated by the five physical senses. The taste, the touch, the feel, the hearing. We base our decisions on things like that. And we many times even judge truth because we saw it or we felt it or we smelled it or we touched it or we embraced it. It's a walk by sight. People in Missouri have been accused of being a people who said, uh, if you want me to believe it, you've got to show me. Well, that's walking by sight. If you've got to see it before you believe it. If you've got to hear it before you believe it. If you've got to touch it before you believe it. Walking by sight. The other alternative and the scriptural way is walking by faith. The Bible makes that very, very clear. It's a walk that's regulated not by what we think nor how we feel, but what God says in His Word. The Bible is the most up-to-date book that you'll ever read. And it contains messages that you and I need every day of our life. And everything you read in your Bible is the Word of God. It's truth. And we should, as God's people, go by His Word. I gave you two definitions of faith last week. One is given in verse number 1 of Hebrews 11. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And in addition to that, I gave you last Sunday a practical definition of faith. You may not want to define or memorize that particular definition. But a good practical definition of faith is this. Faith is believing what God says and acting like it. And if you do not act like it, you do not believe it. 
Faith is believing what God says. If it doesn't affect our behavior, then it is not faith. It's walking by sight. And again, I turn to Mark chapter number 4 for that great illustration of this truth that we should walk by faith and not by sight. In Mark chapter 4, verse 1, let's listen to the reading. The Lord Jesus began again to teach by the seaside. There was gathered unto him a great multitude, so that he entered into a ship and sat in the sea, and the whole multitude was by the sea on the land. And verse number 11, He said unto them, Unto you it is given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God. But unto them that are without, all these things are done in parables. And then continuing in that reference in verse 35 and verse 40. And the same day when the even was come, he saith unto them, Let's let's pass over unto the other side. Now notice carefully. He said to these disciples in the boat, Let's leave the shore and let's pass. We're going to go over to the other side. Now who said that? The Lord Jesus Christ said that. Look down in verse number 39, 40. He said unto them, Why are you so fearful, and how is it that you have no faith? Now they were in the ship with the Lord. The Lord said, We're going to the other side. And when they got halfway across, the disciples said, Boy, he blew this one, didn't he? He really did shoot it. And it's just not going to fly here because the storm is beginning to gather and the winds are beginning to blow and the waves are going to take us under. We can't get to the other side. God said we're going to get to the other side. But you see, they started walking by sight, what they could see, and it caused them to fear. And the Lord said, how could you have such little faith? Little faith. Now, I gave you uh, these two descriptions and definitions as it's contained in verse number 1. Look at verse number 2 in Hebrews chapter 11. For by it the elders obtained a good report. Now, Brother Roloff was preaching in my pulpit one day, and he said the the elders got a good report guard. They got a good report. Have you ever... Do they still do that, Nora, honey? In public school, do they do give report cards? And you got to take them home and let your mom and your daddy sign them, which I've always been able to sign just a lot like my mama and my daddy, uh, my report card. But for by it, by faith, the elders retain a good report card because they walk by faith. And then look at verse 3. Through faith we understand reason why some of us don't understand is because we're in the wrong textbook. There's only one, and that is the Word of God. Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the Word of God, so that the things that were seen were not made of things which do appear. It is through faith that we have understanding. Our explanation for creation is in the beginning, God. Evolution is one of the biggest lies the devil pawned on this generation. 
We are not here as products of evolution. We're here as the product of... How can you be so sure? Because God said it. The professor smell fungus at the seminary didn't say it. God said it. And if men say it, you have every right in the world to investigate it. You don't have to investigate it when God says it. It's going to take place. That is by faith. Our first example last Sunday was Abel. I called it the worship of faith. The reason Abel's sacrifice was accepted as opposed to Cain's is that it was a sacrifice which God had specified. Cain brought the best that he had, but it wasn't good enough. Abel brought the best God had, which was a sacrificial lamb. Worship that is not offered in faith will also and always be rejected. Now, in the study this morning, I want us to see the walk of faith by Enoch. Enoch walked with God and was not, for God took him. The walk of faith, the walk of the believer is different from that of an unbeliever. I believe there's a reason why some folks never do come to church. One being that they're unsaved, but even sometimes unsaved people come to church But I'm afraid our influence over the lost world hasn't been what it ought to be. They've never seen the difference in our life since we've come to know the Lord Jesus Christ. And we don't walk the way the world walks. We don't do that. We walk by faith. We walk by faith. The walk of the unsaved, how do they walk? In Ephesians chapter number 2. Ephesians, the book of Ephesians chapter number 2. Talking about walking now. The Bible says, And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. Watch this now, church. Wherein in time past you walked. Paul is saying to the new Christians at Ephesus, This is the way you used to walk. It's past tense. This is the way you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom we all had our conversation in times past. This is the way we used to walk, in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. But you see, the walk of the believer is quite different. In verse number 10 of Ephesians chapter 2, we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus, under good works which God hath before ordained that we should what? Walk in them. We do not walk like the world, because we walk by faith and not by sight. Now, in introducing Brother Enoch here. Not too much is said in the Bible about Enoch. However, what is said is very, very important. You need not turn to it, but just jot the reference down. It might help you in your Bible study. In the 14th verse of the book of Jude, Jude is the little book, it's the threshold book to the Revelation. In Jude, the 14th, verse. There are no chapter divisions in Jude. It says this, And Enoch also, 
the seventh from Adam prophesied of these, saying, Behold, the Lord cometh with ten thousands of his saints. Now two things are said about Jude here. Number one, he was the seventh from Adam. Did you notice that? Enoch also the seventh from Adam. What does that mean? Well, you got a King James Bible, I hope. Turn over to Genesis chapter number 5. Keep Hebrews 11 handy, please. Genesis chapter number 5. This is the obituary chapter of the Bible. When Adam and Eve ate of the forbidden fruit, sin entered into the world and death by sin. And this is why people die, because we're sinners. And this is the obituary. Please notice you find the first generation in verse 5 of chapter 5. All the days that Adam lived were 930 years and he died. That's generation number 1. Look at verse number 8. And all the days of Seth were 912 years and he died. That's generation number 2. Verse number 11, all the days of Enos were 905 years and he died. That's the third generation. Verse number 14, all the days of Canaan were 910 years and he died. That's the fourth generation. Verse number 17, all the days of Mahalalel were 895 years and he died. That's the fifth generation. Verse number 20, all the days of Jared were 960 and two years, and he died. That's the sixth generation. And verse 24, Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. Enoch was the seventh generation. Isn't that strange? You read about Enoch being the seventh from Adam in the beginning of the Bible, and you read about Enoch being the seventh from Adam in the end of the Bible. Isn't it wonderful that when we bring our Bibles with us to church, it has an enlightening effect? We learn things that we did not know. We pay attention to words and phrases in the Bible. So the Bible tells us that Enoch was the seventh from Adam. He was number seven in the Messianic line from Adam. And second of all, it tells us he was a preacher of the second coming of Christ. Enoch also the seventh from Adam prophesied these saying, Behold, the Lord cometh with ten thousands of his saints. He did not do that the first time he came. Isn't it something that Enoch was talking about the second coming of Christ before the Lord ever came the first time? He was a second coming preacher. You say, well, I don't believe anybody ought to try to prophesy out, John, what's going to happen. Well, if you do it with the Bible, you're going to be right. And if you don't do it with the Bible, you're going to be wrong. But Enoch was a preacher of the second coming of Christ. Now in Hebrews 11, verse 5, I said we're going to bounce back and forth here. In Hebrews 11, verse 5, where we were and started in Hebrews verse 11, it says, by faith, Enoch was translated that he should not see death and was not found because God had translated him. For before his translation, he had this testimony 
that he pleased God. Enoch was translated. He tells you that three different times in that one verse. He was translated. He was translated. He was translated. It is the Greek word metatathema. Metatathema. And it means to remove. (laughs) God removed Enoch. It also means to transfer to another place. Where it says that Enoch was translated, God moved him from one place to another place. He did not die. He continued to live. God just simply picked him up, moved him from earth to glory. Isn't that amazing? You say, preacher, you don't believe that. Come on, sure we believe that because it's God's blessed word. He was taken out of this life without having to die. He was here. Everybody in town knew who Enoch was. All of a sudden, Enoch wasn't there anymore. People begin to ask about him. Whatever happened to Enoch? Well, God translated him. He moved him to another place without dying. I know of only two other people, and Enoch is one of those that did not die. Enoch went to be with the Lord, and Elijah went to be with the Lord without dying. And the second thing it says in that fifth verse, he pleased God. I wonder, folk, how much effort we put forth to please God in our everyday life. The language that we use, the words that we use, the places that we go, the things that we do. Are we doing them to please God or are we doing them to please ourselves? He pleased God. There is a cross-reference in Genesis 5.24. As I said, there are very few places talk about Enoch, so we, we look at Genesis chapter 5, verse 24. What does that word say? It says, Enoch walked with God. He was not, for God took him. Enoch walked with God and was not, so he walked with the Lord and was not. Now, let's look first of all, and I hope you've come to study with me the Word of God. I try to learn something every time I preach from the Bible. The characteristics of Enoch's faith. It says he walked with God. What does that mean? You say, well, Brother Kozar, I walk with the Lord every day. Do you really? Enoch walked with God. Number one, it means going in the same direction that God is going. Now, if you're going with God, you're going in the same direction that God is going. If you're going in a different direction, you're not walking with God. Not only that, but you, I think about Jonah. Jonah's a good classic example of a man who didn't walk with the Lord. The Lord called him to go to Nineveh and preach to that wicked city. And Jonah packed up and went the other way as fast as he could go. He didn't want to walk with God. But Enoch walked with God. Went the same direction. Number two, it means going with the same agreement. The same agreement. 
Amos chapter 3, verse number 3, how can two walk together except they be agreed? That's what the Word says. You know, many of the divorces that take place in our nation today, they list the cause as being incompatibility. Now, that's a great big 50-cent word, which means you don't get along with your wife and she doesn't get along with you. You don't agree with her and she doesn't agree with you. You go one direction and she goes the other direction. And that only will go so far until somebody's going to say, why in the world we live together? We don't agree. Agreeing with God, going in the same direction with God, going in the same agreement with God... Thirdly, going at the same rate of speed as God. We cannot lag behind. We cannot get ahead. It's God, not us, who sets the pace. If we walk with God, we don't surge ahead of Him and we don't lag behind Him. We walk with Him going at the rate of speed, the same rate of speed. Do you find sometimes you get ahead a little bit of the Lord? Let me give you a good example of that. You've been wanting another car now for a long time. And you saw this car on the car lot. and Boy, that's a beautiful thing. I really do want that. You go in and you talk to the car salesman and uh, you buy the car. And you walk out just feeling so good for the decision you've made until it comes time for payment number one. And then payment number two, you don't have to worry, you got a hundred payments to go, you know. And in the midst of all that, you have to start doing without food, you have to start doing without a whole lot of things and make that car payment. And we go to God and we say, Lord, why don't you do something? And all the time, the Lord said, you weren't walking with me when you got the car. If you hadn't gotten the car, you wouldn't be in the mess you're in today. Many times, and I know that's a trite illustration, many times... We get ahead of God without walking with God and seeing what His mind is about a certain thing. A third thing involved, going at the same rate of speed. And the fourth thing is going with perseverance. I love that one. There's a verse in Psalm 121 verse 4 that says, He that keepeth Israel, now that's the Lord, He that keepeth Israel neither slumbers, nor sleeps. Do you know why God doesn't slumber? And you know why God doesn't sleep? Because He's walking. And if we walk with Him, we don't slumber and we don't sleep. In other words, there are no coffee breaks and there are no times when we're justified in stopping our walking with the Lord. As long as He's walking, we're walking and we're walking with Him. You see that? It involved walking with God. Second of all, it was a walk that was pleasing to God. He pleased the Lord. How can we know if our lives are pleasing to the Lord? Number one is our relationship. Relationship is a very important thing, especially when it comes to salvation. We must have a relationship with God's Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. In 1 John 1, 5 through 6, the Bible says this, This then is the message we've heard of Him. And declare unto you that God is light, and in Him is no darkness of all. 
If we say we have fellowship with Him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. Salvation is absolutely essential in walking with God. You cannot be unsaved and walk with the Lord. Separation from sin and wrong will impede our progress in walking with God. There must be daily repentance and daily confession of sins. And all of us, if we're honest with ourselves, know that there are many, many times when we do things we ought not to do. But the scripture gives us in 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, He's just and faithful to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So there must be salvation. There must be separation from sin and wrong. There must be surrender to His Lordship if we're going to walk with Him, folk. Now, we can study all about it. You want to and read your Bible, and that's a good thing to do. But if you're going to walk with God, we've got to do these things. Surrender to Him and His Lordship over us. Paul said, I'm crucified with Christ. Yet I live, and not I, but Christ that liveth in me. And the life that I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Paul was surrendered to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. He had not been saved by the grace of God five seconds before he said, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? Lordship. And fourthly, Salvation, separation, surrender. There's submission and obedience to His every desire for us. James 4 verse 7. Submit yourselves therefore to God. Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Now let's go a step further. Those are some of the characteristics of Enoch's walking with God and what was involved in that. Let's look at the commencement of Enoch's faith. When did he start walking with the Lord? When did he start turning to Christ or turning to the the Lord? Enoch was 65 years old when he turned to the Lord. You find that in Genesis 5, verses 21 through 22. All the days of Jared were 900 and... Sixty and two years, and he died. And Enoch lived sixty and five years and begat Methuselah. And Enoch walked with God after he begat Methuselah three hundred years and begat sons and daughters. Enoch was sixty-five years old when he turned to the Lord. You know what that teaches me? That my dear friends, as long as there's life in your soul, you never get too old to come to Christ. You never get too old. Say, well, I should have done it when I was a child. No, you need to do it now. Come to Christ now, regardless of your age. But Enoch was 65 years old when he turned to the Lord. Question, most important, what made him turn? He's going down a road without the Lord one day. The next day, he started walking with the Lord. What caused him to turn? 
The answer rests in his son's name. Now, who was the son of Enoch? Methuselah. Did you get that when I read it? Enoch lived 60 and 5 years. He lived 60 and 5 years, and then he begat Methuselah. But notice the scripture is so plain, and the words are so important. Enoch walked with God, not before and not during, but Enoch walked with God after he begat Methuselah 300 years and begat sons and daughters. Methuselah. That's a good name for your dog, isn't it? Methuselah. Whenever the Hebrews gave their children names, those names meant something, had a meaning to it. It carried over into the Roman Empire. Even Greeks, when their children were born, especially those that were adhering to Greek culture and this type of thing, it would have a, a meaning to it. Let me give you the best example I know. Thou shalt call his name Jesus. Why will his name be called Jesus? For he shall save his people from their sins. Jesus means Savior. Enoch is naming his son Methuselah. You break his name down in the Hebrew, Muth, M-U-T-H, and then S-H-A-L-A-H, Mushalah. Muthshalah, Methuselah. M-U-T-H means to die. Shalah means to send forth. Meaning, when he, Methuselah, dies, it, the flood, will be sent forth. When Methuselah dies, it, the flood, will be sent forth. If you don't get anything out of this message, listen with both ears, will you? God told Enoch this. And before Enoch named him Methuselah, but he named him Methuselah, all he had to go on was God's word. That the flood would never take place as long as Methuselah lived. He believed that it, and it regulated his life. This is where his faith came in. The flood came the day that Methuselah died. Oh, my. Enoch, knowing this, trusted God when his son was born. Now you've got a baby on your hands, and his name's Methuselah. He's going to live 969 years, longer than any other human being has ever lived. Does that say anything to you about the mercy of God? That as long as Methuselah lives, the flood will not come. But the day that Methuselah dies, the flood is going to happen. Now, I don't know, and I'm not going to read into what the Scripture does not say, but sometimes I have to engage my imagination a lot. Don't you suppose that maybe... If Methuselah coughed, Enoch said, get him to the doctor. (laughs) Take his temperature. 
Oh, I hope there's not a pandemic that breaks out. I mean, we're all doing good as long as we keep Methuselah alive. But the day he dies, the flood will come. This is for my benefit. You can listen to it if you want to. Methuselah was 187 years old when he begat Lamech. You find that in verse number 25. And Methuselah lived 187 years and begat Lamech. You say, well, who was Lamech? He was the father of Noah. Methuselah was 369 years when Noah was born in verse number 28. And Lamech lived 180 and two years and begat a son. And verse 29 said he called his name Noah. Methuselah was 969 years when he died and the flood came. Noah's granddaddy, let me say that again, Noah's granddaddy. I I never knew my grandparents. They died before I was born. Noah's granddaddy was Methuselah. Noah's granddaddy was Methuselah. Methuselah and Noah lived at the same time. And when Methuselah dies, the flood will come. And when Methuselah died, Noah said, get out your umbrellas. Let me tell you something. You need to read your Bible. God's word is always accurate and can be pinpointed as being the truth. And Enoch began to walk with God after Methuselah was born. It regulated his life. The continuation of Enoch's faith, how long did it last? It continued until God took him home 300 years later. Enoch was 65 years old. He began to walk with the Lord after Methuselah was born for the next 300 years. Now, that is the equivalent of 109,500 days. That is the equivalent of 2,628 hours. Enoch did not live in a monastery He lived at home. He faced the problems of home just like you face the problems of home. He faced the problems of business and society just like you and I face the problems of business and society. Each day Enoch lived prior to his conversion, he met with trial and some days sorrow. Still, when he started walking with God, He walked with God every day for the rest of his time on this earth. It's amazing. Amazing. I think we have to be very careful in our terminology sometimes. I have seen some preachers do this. I think they're in error when they do it. And the reason I 
feel in my soul that they're in error is because I used to do the same thing. Somebody would come down the aisle and I'd say, praise God, person just got saved. I don't know whether they got saved or not. Do you? You say, well, I, they came down the aisle. Well, we had four people saved this morning. How do you know that? i tell you how you know it. You watch them. Watch them. Watch them day after day after day. Do they love God? Are they faithful to God's house? Do they believe God's word? You watch them for about 35 or 40 years and if you're still serving God, they probably got something. Otherwise you call it a profession of faith. Now there's nothing wrong with that terminology. When people come to know the Lord, we say we had four people to make professions of faith, but you're not saved by your profession. God's got to change your heart. He's got to change your life. And only God saves. So much for the continuation of Noah's faith. And we'll conclude with number four here. The consummation of Enoch's faith. The consummation of Enoch's faith. Enoch's faith was consummated at his translation. Now what is translation? His removal. His leaving one place... And being moved to another place, he stopped having faith when that started. He said, what do you mean? I mean that when you and I get to heaven, we won't need faith. Now, Paul says, abideth faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is not faith. The greatest of these is love. And though you'll not exercise faith in heaven, you will love the Son of God and the people of God throughout eternity. Enoch's faith was consummated at that point in his life. His translation, he could now walk by sight. (laughs) He was walking with the Lord for the remainder of his life on this earth and has been ever since walking with the Lord. Only his faith was consummated, not his fellowship. I'm glad in the New Testament there's a verse like 2 Corinthians 5, 8, to be absent from the flesh is to be present with the Lord. We will either meet the Lord after death or we will meet the Lord without dying. Let me close with this. There are some people that will not die. You say, where do you find that? I'm so glad you asked. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 13 through 18. Isn't it strange that Paul would begin his sermon by saying, I sure don't want you to stay ignorant, people. Huh? <laughs> That's what he said. He said, I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren. Concerning them which are asleep, that you sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. Now listen carefully. Verse 15. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord. That's walking by God's word. 
That's walking by faith. This we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain under the coming of the Lord shall not go before them or prevent them which are asleep. If the Lord were to come today, I'm telling you, God's people would not die. God's people who are living today would not die. Now the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ, there are going to be some people to die. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. I kind of figure like we'd probably be translated too. If we're living when the Lord comes back, we'll not have to die. So some will not die. However, there are going to be a lot of folk that will have experienced death before the Lord comes back. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, beginning with verse number 51, the Bible says, Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep. That means not all of us are going to die. All of us will be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. And the last trump and the trumpet shall sound and the dead shall be raised incorruptible. God's people who have experienced death are going to be brought up out of their graves to meet the Lord. And we're going to be changed this corruptible's got to put on incorruption. This mortal must put on immortality. And so when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying, Death is swallowed up in victory. Enoch walked with God. Enoch walked with God. He could not see him, yet he walked with him. He could not hear him, Yet he walked with him. He could not touch him. Yet he walked with him. This is the faith that Enoch had. A walking faith. Let's stand please for prayer.